Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Welcome to the podcast. We have the amazing opportunity, I'm so excited for this, to talk to Sean Crane. She is a pioneer. She's a legend. She's been around forever. I've had the privilege of knowing her sons. They are some of my favorite people. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you ha can have favorite people, but they are some of mine. <laughs> so, um, Sean, would you do us a favor and just introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us, our audience, a little bit about who you are and... Uh, my name is Sean Crane, as you said, and thank you very much for having me today. I'm really excited that this podcast is going to be available to Lemmy mentors. I think they'll benefit from it greatly. I live in the Los Angeles area, just north of Los Angeles, and I have three children, all adults now, all uh, raised with TJ Ed philosophy and in Lemmy classes or doing Lemmy projects. Um, I started a group based on Lemmy projects in our community. And we have been doing that now. Uh, this year is our 22nd year. So we've been around a long time and have had some terrific and challenging experiences, but by far mostly terrific. I was gonna say, I knew that you had been like you came to like the first or second, you were right there at the, one of the first trainings, I feel like very beginning. I, I think uh, I was there at the second one. I actually was introduced both to TJ Ed and Lemmy uh, by Cymbria Patterson. Um, she went to the very first training, I guess, and, and came back and did a pilot uh, Key Liberty class in our area. And my eldest son was in that class. He was uh, 11 years old at the time. He was on the young side. And after that, I guess it was the next summer that Simbria said, you really need to come to this training. And I really didn't know what it was. And I knew it was aimed at scholar age students, which mine weren't yet. And she was the only one teaching classes in our area. And I think there was only two projects that existed at that time. I think it was just Key of Liberty and uh, Shakespeare. Uh, conquest. I don't think anything else had been written yet. And so I can't even tell you today why I went. Uh, divine inspiration, perhaps. I don't know. But she told me about the training. And I signed up and drove 12 hours to Salt Lake City to go. <laughs> That's awesome. How did you start homeschooling? Had you been homeschooling before? Or Yes, all three of my children were homeschooled from birth uh, up until college. Um, I was very active in La Leche League. And as my children became older, I mean, I, I went first as a member and, and later became a leader in La Leche League and was involved for, gosh, I think close to 25 years. But there seemed to be kind of a natural outgrowth of... Um, homeschooling families from La Leche League. So it was kind of a natural evolution that as I got to know more and more people, I got to see some homeschooling families in action. And I got to see some of the older kids. I decided to homeschool when my eldest was 18 months old. 
and started going to a homeschool park day that was way too far away, but was really instrumental in my choices, um, partially because there were a lot of teenagers there. And I was really thrilled to see teenagers who would look adults in the eye, who were treating everyone around them well, who were just as happy to play with the baby as they were with their peer. Um, and it just got me more and more interested. And I started reading and, and researching and really decided it was the path for us. Um, of course, was not sure if I could do it. I counsel a lot of homeschooling families. And when they tell me how scared they are, <clears throat> I always say that that's a really good sign that I would be very concerned if someone came to me and said they were gonna homeschool and they had no fear about it whatsoever. Um, Cause there would be something wrong with that person. But I decided to test it. So the summer before my oldest son's, uh, what would be his kindergarten year, I bought the whole homeschool curriculum for kindergarten and we started playing with it. And he blew through it in two months. And I thought, okay, I guess I can do this because even if we waste the whole kindergarten year, he's already done kindergarten, so we're golden. So the rest oh. kind of is history. It just became a very natural normal path for us and we were fortunate to have a lot of friends who we brought along for the ride or they brought us along for the ride but we got to do most most of it in community which makes a huge difference oh it does doesn't it that's what i tell everybody who's starting out that having a community really can make it or break it for for most people i mean just and it's you think you're going for the kids and it's really for you. I mean, I know when I was home with four little boys, when I first started homeschooling, just going and to a park day where I could talk to somebody else and bounce ideas off of them and, you know, just cry on their shoulder if I needed to, you know, and, and talk to a real life grown up. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And have somebody actually call me my name. It wasn't just mommy, 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 mommy all day long. Sometimes that was just, it was hard. And um, yeah, having that interaction, it's important. Yes. Yes. The, the parents that I've worked with, I, you know, I've said, you need, you need to find your people. You need to find your buddy. You need to, especially when you're new, you need to talk to as many homeschooling parents as you can, because there's a million different ways to homeschool. Right. I mean, I, I've known, I, I have lifelong friends um, the, the lives of my children. Um, my oldest is now in his 30s. And I've, I have some friends still that I've known for 30 years. And even as close as we've been, and as much of our homeschooling as we've done together, some of them have even taught with my organization. Um, we don't do it the same. You know, we all bring our own flair, our own strengths, our own belief systems, our own principles. And the more people we can talk to, the more we can glean experience and information and discard what doesn't feel right for us and embrace what does. Um, but yeah, nobody should try to do this in a vacuum. That's, that's a death sentence for a homeschooling career is uh, trying to do this on your own. While you were talking, I kind of had an epiphany because I, I listened to a lot of um, 
you know, podcasts. I really love Jordan Peterson. He's someone I really like to listen to. But some of the thing that he talks about is like, you know, there's a lot of divisiveness in America. And like, as we were talking, I was like, yeah, that's because it's like, they need to be able to work on a common goal, but not have to convert everybody to believing the same exact everything, you know, like, and so I think it's so beautiful that you're like, you know, we all come together on the same goal, but we all come with different parts of us, different, you know, strengths and different ideas, and we put a different spin on it. So like, how do you create a community that has so much diversity, but yet is so strong? Well, and that's, that's a really interesting question. And it's something that the other mentors and I have discussed for years, because we are somewhat unique in the, the Lemmy world, if you will. Um, our community is incredibly diverse. We have people of almost every religion you can imagine have come through our doors. We have people, including atheists, including agnostics, you know, Catholics, Jews, LDS, Scientology, Buddhists. I mean, we Catholics, Protestant, you know, the confused, <laughs> they're, they're with us too. You know, those who just don't care about religion, they're with us too. And a hugely, an equally broad, um, political perspective. Um, we have people that could care less about politics. We have staunch Republicans. We have, we live in Los Angeles. We have a lot of liberals. Um, and I love it that it's that way because as our children grow, they're going to be in the world. They're not going to be in some little pocket of only conservatives or only liberals or only Catholics or, you know, they need to understand how other people think. They need to be able to um, embrace what everyone brings to the table, learn how to discern where problems may lie, where conflicts may exist that we don't even suspect when I'm having to work with those people that I now work for or that now work for me. And the more that our students can understand about worldviews, about various religious and political perspectives, the more like, the, the better they are to be set up for success. Um, when they have a broader understanding, they also can get curious. They don't have to be so threatened by the fact that someone thinks differently than me, looks differently than me, has a different religion than me. Um, they can get curious. Uh, one of the things we really focus on in our group um, Dissent is welcome in any conversation, but respectful disagreement. It has to be respectful. There's absolutely no place for harsh criticism or judgment. Um, and we bring controversial ideas into the classroom on purpose. I remember thinking back a number of years ago and a class that I was doing with some of the older teens, we had some debates and we decided to let the students choose the debates we did a big brainstorming session. I said, it could be serious. It could be silly, you know, chocolate versus vanilla. If you want to debate that, we were really just focusing on the, the skill of debating. Um, we can, we can talk about that. We can, you know, let's, let's pick some fun topics. Well, these kids came up with abortion, doctor assisted suicide, whether or not the U S should provide military aid to Israel. Um, there were two other hot topics. And 
it really let me know that our our teens, our young adults want their hands on the hard stuff. They want to dive into those meaty subjects. And it was fascinating to watch because uh, first of all, I, I tried to establish a, a safe, uh, a, a level playing field, if you will, knowing that I have students of very different abilities and students with very strong beliefs, some of them on these topics, and some of them knew nothing about the topics when they dove in. And so I first insisted that, you know, you always tell students if they're doing a debate to research both sides, because that makes your argument stronger if you know what the other side is going to argue. And they may try, but most of them don't really do it. And I figured out a workaround and that was, I assigned two research papers. They had to write a research paper in support of the argument being debated and one against. And I didn't tell them which side they were gonna be on until after they submitted the research papers. I actually didn't tell them what side they were gonna be on until 20 minutes before the debate. Um, and we just flipped a coin because what I realized was these are these are some fragile ideas. These are some some deep, hard thinking. I mean, adults don't agree on these things, right? Um, they can cause a lot of of controversy and a lot of pain with a friendship or with a group. And so I thought, well, if I choose or or we randomly choose which side the students are arguing on, then no one's going to get attacked for their beliefs, right? Because they may not even be they may not even believe the side that we're arguing. And the kids did an amazing, truly amazing job. What was fascinating to me is we had a parent react. The kids kept everything completely respectful. Um, it led to many, many great conversations afterwards. We had a terrific debrief. And of course the debriefs were key with that sort of thing. And we had a parent absolutely lose it. Like she couldn't handle the intensity around an issue that she felt very deeply about. And we had to do some damage control there. And we had to get a couple of mentors involved in a, in a conversation between the student parent who was upset and the parent of the student who'd been on the receiving end of the attack. But what it tells me overall is that this is so desperately needed. Our children, our teens, our youth need to be able to have these conversations, to discuss important ideas, to disagree about important ideas, and to do it with diplomacy and respect and um, not having to hate the person that they disagree with and not even having to be angry with them, but, but if nothing else, at least having a better understanding of them. So... I think I may have taken us way off our quest. No, I love that. I love you bring that up. I just, uh, last year I read um, Coddling of the American Mind by Jonathan yes, Haidt. Yes, did too. And, yeah. Um, it's just like, I've really tried to hone into this, like my kids are anti-fragile, like they're anti-fragile. And every right. time I think that they are fragile, I'm not doing them a favor, you know? Right. So it's like these kids, these scholars, they're anti-fragile. Like clearly they could handle this and obviously us adults couldn't like and and they want to handle this but i also think it's empowering because when you realize you can have a hard conversation with somebody and you and it doesn't diminish you it's very liberating absolutely you know because like even in you know i i had i was super blessed and was able to have a, a liberal arts education and go through um leadership education and so in my marriage i've noticed that like 
we can have hard conversations and I'm like, okay, that, that was a hard conversation, but I'm okay. But that's not the case with my husband, right? Because <laughs> that was mm. not his experience, right? So then I always have to realize, oh, this hard, me having a hard conversation with you, even if it's just politics or anything, actually can if like you do take it internally whereas i don't you know like and all of the in-laws that have married into our family also struggle that way <laughs> like dinner table they're like your parents just fight like everyone just fights and they argue i'm like no we're not we're discussing things nobody's hurting anybody's feelings but it, to the outside world it does sound like we're fighting because we'll we disagree and we you know engage in debate and and so i think it's really powerful like no we're anti-fragile and these kids need this we we really are you know i i want to say we're living in a time in which resiliency is crucial but i don't know that there's ever been a time when resiliency wasn't crucial i think it just gets tested in different ways in different generations but yes our our youth have some huge obstacles ahead of them and if they can't debate with an open mind, if they can't be willing to change their mind, if they can't be willing to learn and grow and become better than they are today, our world is really in trouble. And one of the main things that are kind of my, one of my main themes with our group is to set students up for success. We're perfectly willing to allow them to fail because failure is an excellent teacher. So we're not coddling, we're not making it easy on them. No one has ever accused me of teaching an easy class. Um, we really do challenge them and we really do set them up for success at the same time. I want them to learn that they can try and risk and fail in our safe environment, right? Nothing horrible is gonna happen to them if they do horribly at a debate or if they write a really bad paper or if they get up to memorize, to recite something they've memorized and fall flat on their face, you know, what happens? Yeah, you get a chance to do it again and you're not done, you know? <laughs> which sometimes is really painful. But I, I want them set up for success in the real world. Let them make their mistakes with us when they're cheap. You know, <clears throat> I, I tell my students this frequently, you know, you, you blow something here, it doesn't go well. Um, your wife isn't gonna leave you, you don't have a wife. You're not gonna lose your house, you don't have a house, right? There, there's no huge, your car isn't gonna be uh, repossessed. Well, some of them might have cars. There's no huge consequences at this age when they're offered the safe environment to blow it, to do it wrong, to mess it up, to fall flat on their face. But they can do it in a supportive environment where they realize they can get up and try again. You know, they can do hard things. They can fail at trying to do hard things and get up and try it again. And that is so powerful. And one of the things I feel like the Lemmy Projects just really supports that kids don't get taught in a traditional classroom or even in a traditional homeschool. I don't know, I've, I've had to um, talk to parents who, you know, and I've even given presentations on the importance of allowing our kids to fail. And I've had pushback yes. about it. And it's, someone accused me of setting kids up for failure. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. I mean, I was allowing them to, to fail if that's where the 
needed to go. If that's the but, natural course of events, given their choices yeah. on their actions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I think, also, I think conveyor belt education has gotten so competitive, especially at the college level, that there's a huge fear in a lot of parents that if they don't get their child the good grades, notice I'm saying get their child the good grades, not, you know, have their child earn the good grades. If they don't get them opportunities to volunteer, if they don't have them in enough sports and enough activities and enough orchestra and enough whatever, that they can't make it at college or they won't get accepted to college or they can't make it in the real world. And I actually keep a list of the colleges that our graduates have gone to over the years. And I can tell you our students are living proof that these kids not only get into college, they get into top colleges. If that's the right path for them, it's not the right path for everyone, but they get into top colleges and they excel. Um, these principles work, they work in real life. And a lot of parents don't doubt that they'd work in real life, but they doubt that they'd work in college or getting into college. Well, isn't that interesting how far away college has gotten from real life, right? It used to be that it was supposed to set us up for that. Um, I hear back from some of my students who have gone to college and I love what I get back from. I love what I hear back from them. Things like, I just wrote an essay the other day and in my essay, it wasn't even about history, but I recited part of the Declaration of Independence because the principle just fit my paper so beautifully, you know, um, or they talk about how they get to college. This is sometimes sad to me. They get to college and they talk about the fact that they aren't learning anything, that the classes are too easy, that compared to our classes, compared to some of these Lemmy projects, um, they just don't feel like they're getting their money's worth because they're not really learning much. Um, but I hear so many success stories and so many kids who have come through Lemmy projects who go to, to college and say, I'm looking around, I'm seeing my peers and I'm seeing how unprepared they are. Unprepared for life, unprepared for college and I'm not feeling that way. And that, that to me really makes it all worth doing right? Because let's face it, teaching Lemmy projects is not for sissies. It is not for the uh, weak of spirit. It's hard work. And we have to be resilient too. But what could possibly be more important to do than to set these children, these aspiring adults up for success in the real world? So I'll get off my soapbox now. No, I really... Um... <laughs> I I'm teaching Shakespeare Conquest for the first time in well, a long time because I was mostly in like the being pregnant and throwing up phase for a while. So I'm done with that. And now I'm like, oh, I can like be a human again. But I'm teaching Shakespeare for the first time in a long time. And, you know, as a mature mom and not like a young, young college student. And uh, I recently had a test for you know, the end of semester, they do their tests for the vocabulary, right? So it's the only test the whole entire time, besides the presentation. And it, <clears throat> it didn't go so well, you know, like half the kids were like, Oh, I don't know. And it was just like, they were all had this freak out in it. And in my head, I was like, man, I really sucked. This is really like, I did a terrible thing. Like, I'm a terrible teacher. <laughs> like, uh, and then I overhear kids like, that was my first time I ever had to like do a test in public. And it really wasn't as scary as I thought it would be. 
And I was like, oh. And then I have another, like, and the kids are talking and, and like, why I'm doing something else. And I'm realizing, you know what's really happening here is I'm building a relationship with them. That, that then they're going to trust me so that when I ask them to do something insanely hard, they'll have confidence in me and confidence in them. And I think to me, like, that's the thing about Lemmy that's so hard is it doesn't look necessarily the prettiest sometimes you know but it's it's about the long term and it's about um building building an individual and so i really like that you know you, you share that you still get messages from the kids you taught i mean how many teachers get to have a relationship with their students you know into their 30s i mean i still i, I still send my my constitution class teacher a Christmas card every year because she was like she's such an important part of my life. Simbria Patterson, huge part of my life. I still send her a card every year because she's like somebody that I just have so much love and respect for. And I think like people don't understand how crucial those adult and you know youth relationships are to help us as we navigate into you know the struggles of adulthood. Well, I was also thinking when you were talking about that idea of teaching content, or you might say teaching to the test, had you spent all of your time teaching to the test, your students would have done great on the test, most likely. That's not our goal at Lemmy. Um, and one thing I've learned personally from teaching these projects for so many years is that, and I warn parents about this that are new to us, I really think that the most important things our students learn have nothing to do with the content that we teach, but they learn what they're capable of. They learn how to get back up when they fail. They learn how to communicate with their peers and engage with their peers on important topics, on controversial topics, on things that matter to them, not just, what movie did you see? Although there's nothing wrong with that. Not just the latest video game. It, it's, their conversations are so much, they're not superficial. There's so much depth there. Even when I'm walking around at lunchtime and you know the occasional Shakespearean insult is flying by, but um, they're also talk. I mean, they're, they're in heated debate sometimes. What are they debating? Well, their views on Hamlet or that thing that happened in history. And what do you mean that was the John Brown? No, John Brown was a madman. Oh, no, no, you got it all wrong. John Brown was brilliant. Look at what, look how events turned after, you know. Um, I don't know about you all, but well, you, Tatiana, I probably do know, but I certainly wasn't having those conversations at that age. You know, that, that was not, that was not the kind of conversations we had. And so really what these students are learning has so much more value than the content. I mean, let's face it, the content of Lemmy Projects is fantastic, but I learned long ago that if students were, if, if I would come prepared to class, let's say I'm gonna give a lecture or lead a discussion or whatever, and the students take something in a different direction, I take a moment before, I say, no, 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 let's get back on track. And I pause and I look at where is this going? And I've been known to throw out an entire lecture because what they have dived into is so much more meaningful and so much more important for them to be talking about that day that 
you know, it's a little hard on the ego because I've just written this amazing lecture in my mind, right? Well, I guess that one's not happening this year. Okay, throw it in the file. <laughs> yeah. um, because sometimes the students really do come up with something more valuable. And Thank you for sharing that. That is so key. I mean, I wish I could like create a banner and just put that out there because, you know, sometimes I know in the TG Ed world or the leadership education world, we've been accused of like, oh, Lemmy's just another conveyor belt. <clears throat> but it's not the case. Like if you go through the mentoring and you do the hard work like you have for so long, the goal is to create like mentors like like you who who can see what their students need and who can help their students get what they need with the tools that they've sharpened for years. It's just so beautiful. That's why I was so excited to have you on here because I'm like, I know Sean is a phenomenal mentor who mentors the student with what they need, not necessarily what the book says, but obviously when you're first starting out, it's very helpful to have the manuals. But like, that's one of the things people complain about Lemmy. It's like, oh, it's, they're just like so loose. They don't have enough instruction. Like what, you know. It, 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 yeah, it's an interesting combination because I've heard both of those criticisms of Lemmy projects that one, they aren't providing me, and I felt this way personally when I first started, wait, you're, you're just giving me a, a line that you want me to write a lecture on this line. I don't even know what that means. I'm not educated enough to know even where to look. Um, how do I create that, that lecture? And so it's too loose. There's not enough guidelines, not enough rules, right? And on the other side, it's the conveyor belt. And what I've come to learn is it's as conveyor belt as you want it to, or as you allow it to be. I mean, if you want to sit down in the manual and sit down with your calendar, go, Hey, we have to do this and we have to do this and we have to do this. Then yeah, it's just another conveyor belt. But so people from the outside looking in on Lemmy, especially if they've not attended a training, I can see why they think that, but any training that you attend, they talk about flexibility. They talk about fitting this to you, to making it your own, to make the lectures your own, to make the discussions your own. I'll be honest, I made it my own to the degree that I talked to Tiffany once and I finally decided I needed to completely rename the class that I was teaching because while it was based on a Lemmy project, I've branched it out into other things. I've added more public speaking, I've added more writing and a specific technique. And But that's the beauty of the Lemmy projects is you get to make them fit for, for the new mentors out there, we're not necessarily new, but you get to make them fit what your child needs. And you get to make them fit what your community needs. When we first started, I kind of fell into this rhythm of class planning at the beginning of the year, or when we we're planning for the following year, to say to the mentors, what does your child specifically need? What kinds of projects and classes, because we offer classes in addition to Lemmy projects, we also have Love of Learner classes, but they're all based on Lemmy philosophy, uh, but we've added other things. And so, you know, what we ask is, okay, you mentors, what do your children need? And then what do the children that you taught last year need? And then we invite the rest of the community to come along for the ride. And we're not the right and perfect fit for everyone. Um, and I've been challenged a few times over the years, like, well, how do you know if you're actually being successful? How do you know if this is actually benefiting the students? I said, well, my first indication is that parents keep coming back year after year after year. 
Um, and we're not cheap. They're paying us, you know, to, to do this. I know different groups have different um, financial structures. And again, it's one of the beauties of Lemmy is that Lemmy isn't saying, here's how much you charge for this class. You know, um, people get to figure out what fits for their community financially, as well as content wise. And the other way I, I know that, that we're successful is I've had the luxury of seeing the proof in the pudding. I've been doing this a long time and I see how these kids turn out um, and I see how they walk in the world and I see how they are serving humanity. Um, and I'm seeing them excel in college, in work, in, in their various um, religious communities. Um, you just can't stop them. I mean, you really, you really can't. So yeah, a project can be a conveyor belt if you want it to be a conveyor belt. And if you had many years on the conveyor belt like me, I was a good little conveyor belt girl. I was good at the game. It's a struggle to get off. I mean, that's just the truth. You know, it is a struggle. But boy, once you make that leap, um, and there are many temptations to go back after you make the leap, you can find yourself right back on that belt. And you don't even know how it happened, or you can get scared and hop back on on purpose. But if I mean, what are we trying to teach our children? Courage, right? If we're courageous enough to hop off the belt, stay off the belt, um, what can be created is just, there's no limits on, on the good things that can be created. We're interrupting this broadcast to remind you to share and subscribe. Also, be sure and check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. I am, I just love how much you've shared about what these classes, what these projects can do for these kids. Can you share, I know you were sharing a little bit about your daughter and how she likes to do hard things. Can you share that? <laughs> I, I just, I, that was such a wonderful story. And I can relate to that because I mean, really when when we have when we have our kids go through these scholar projects, go through the Lenny continuum, that's where they come out. They're they're willing to do hard things. Um, my youngest son, he's like this year he's in uh, the first year of Quest, and he's like, I want to do hard things. I want to figure out this. Okay, so he was like, okay, um, I want to get my lifeguard certification, and so it's like, well, you don't even know how to do freestyle, you know, swimming. It looks more like dog paddle. We need to figure out that. So it's like, okay, I, I have to join a swim team. Okay, so he he joined a swim team, worked his way up to the top level. So uh, then he went and did his um, lifeguard training. Got that, and and it's like, okay, now on to the next hard thing. Okay, that's just a sixteen year old, but. Your daughter, I, I just love that story. Can you share that with us? <laughs> well, <clears throat> one of the kind of the backstory that I really didn't talk about. My daughter is my youngest. Um, her two older brothers uh, that Tatiana mentioned, she knows them. They're a really tough act to follow. Um, my eldest is very bright, very articulate, very quick, um, quick thinking, quick speaking, and a force to be reckoned with, right? Um, second son, quieter, calmer, but no less determined, 
I guess is perhaps the best way. They both really excelled in pretty much whatever they attempted, athletics, piano, sports. Um, I, I wanna say success came easily to them, which is only halfway true because they both worked really hard at it as well. And so along comes my daughter, she's, I should know this, she is five years younger than her next brother. And she's watching these boys and she's trying to keep up with these boys. She was the first one in the family to break a bone because at six, she was sliding down the banister like she'd seen them do. And she went over head first. Um, so kind of from the get go, she's trying to keep up with her boys. She always called them her boys, right? And I think that was kind of informative or kind of formed her, her vigor for tackling the world, right? Um, she decided, and, and this is where the, the doing hard things came in. She came to me and my husband when she was 17 and said, mom, um, I just feel I should notify you what parent wants to hear that, right? I just feel like I should notify you and let you know that I am planning on going to talk to a recruiter for the military. And that took me back a little bit, mostly because I did not see it coming. Her, my middle son had talked possibly about military service. It totally fit him. I mean, it totally made sense for who he was. This did not make sense for who she was. There was nothing about her that looked, sounded, walked like nothing about her that from all the years that we'd known her, there was, there was no hints. There were no clues that this would ever be of interest to her. And she did. She started talking to a recruiter. I went with her at one point and she decided to join the military. And there, she joined up as a reservist initially. And there were many, many, many conversations. Her dad and I had concerns. Um, she is the least street smart of my kids. <laughs> She's female. She's attractive. Military can kind of be a scary word, a scary world for a mom. It's a little hard on a mom's heart for many, many reasons. And, but here's the beauty of, of the Lemmy philosophy and relationships. And this happens outside Lemmy too, but my daughter and I got to talk about all this. We got to talk about it in depth and, and the relationship was maintained and became stronger. I mean, I cannot tell you how many hours and hours and hours and hours we spent talking about the military. And they weren't even sure that they were gonna let her in. She'd had a pretty severe ankle injury a few years before, and it took them a long time to figure out if they were willing to accept her on that basis. Um, we don't watch R-rated movies. My children don't watch R-rated movies when they're still children at 17. I still consider her a ch child not watching R-rated movies. We started watching just about every war movie out there um, because she needed to know and she needed and she wanted to know, you know, she wanted to, to see what what is this world that I'm trying to walk in. And so there are all these wonderful, deep, heartfelt conversations. And I finally said to her one day, you know, I've never really asked you and we've had all these in-depth conversations, but I've never really asked you what made you decide to join the military. And she came back with a very snarky looking face and a snarky tone. And she said, well, mom, you teach us to love our country and do hard things. What do you expect? <laughs> what could I do but laugh, right? 
how can I do that laugh? So um, I didn't know it, but she had always been terrified of bridges. She'd always been terrified of the ocean. I did not find this out until she was late 17, early 18. So what do you do when you're terrified of the ocean? You join the Navy because, you know, that's the way to deal with that fear. <laughs> um, she later deployed, which is the story I was telling you before. Um, she deployed and because she was afraid of the ocean, decided to get her scuba certification. And because that terrified her and she even told her instructor, her instructor had to talk her, I was going to say talk her down, I guess, literally down to the bottom. Right. Um, but that scared her so much that she decided to get her advanced scuba certification because, you know, that's what you do when you're really terrified of the ocean. But I have to say, I give her so much credit. You know, she's been incredibly courageous and face in facing her fears and boy talk about doing hard things she has done some incredibly hard things with the military and it's informed her entire life choice um she changed her major in college because of, she she joined as a reservist which allowed her to still continue her, to continue her education um, she changed her major because of what she found out about herself and a new passion that she found when she was involved in the military. Um, I'm thinking it's kind of ironic because I have on my calendar today is her sixth anniversary of being in the Navy. She went to boot camp six years ago today. Um, these projects really do set kids up to grow in ways they don't expect, um, to do hard things, sometimes just for the sake of doing them, just because they know they need to do them to be their best selves. And I've had the privilege of just watching my daughter grow and blossom in ways that I don't think she ever would have had she not been courageous enough to do those hard things that frightened her. Um, she knows a lot more about herself now. You know, she's, when we, when we take on those things that frighten us, the world gets a lot less frightening and you know, we can, we can do a lot. That's an amazing story and super inspirational too. Cause I mean, <laughs> just the, the amount of grace it takes as a parent to be on board with your child, choosing a path that to you, or, I mean, like if my girls came to me and said, I'm going to join the military, I'd be like, um, no, not going to do that. <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, obviously they're 10 and eight, but still in my heart, I'm just like, mm -mm, no, I, you have uncles who've served in the military. It's, it's a, it's such a different world. It's just so, it's so hard. It's so insanely hard. Like you don't even know, you know, and then just as a parent being like having the courage to be like, okay, like I'm going to trust that I, that I've helped you on this path that you can navigate and make choices. And, and this is a choice that's going to be good for you like I think that's just speaks volumes to to your you as a parent and her as a individual that's a beautiful story well and we just we had so many great conversations around it and I was just honest with her I because people would ask <laughs> it's funny because I have another student I have two other students who've joined the military full-time and one of the, the dads I asked and I said so how do you feel about his joining up and he said well he has my full support and I really wish he'd make a different choice. And I was so grateful for hearing that 
this was um, four years before my daughter decided to join, I think. And that was exactly how I felt. She had my full support. And I wish it wasn't the path that she was choosing because it scared me only because it scared me. Right. Um, they are signing their life away. Right. They become the property of the government, essentially. And bad things happen. But it goes back to that idea of anti-fragile or resilient or or coddling. What am I coddling? What would I be coddling them for? Right. I mean, selfishly on my part. Yeah. I, and I had parents. Oh, my goodness. I had some friends. How can you let her do this? And I looked at them and I said, what is this word let? Like she's an adult. I mean, well, she wasn't fully an adult. She asked me at 17 if I would sign so that she could go. And the way things worked out, it worked better for her to go after 18. After they want high school diploma, that sort of thing. Um, and she was finishing up some community college classes. So, but what is this let idea? We don't let our adult children do things. We raise adults who have their own right to choose. And at that point I thought, yeah, I could, I could be against it, but one, who am I to say this is a wrong choice for her? And two, what would that do to our relationship? Um, when I look back, her choice has turned her life in directions neither of us expected and could not have been better for her. Things have fallen into place in her life that would not have happened had she not make, made this choice. And I'm not saying everybody should join the military. That's not my point. Some should, some probably shouldn't. But my point is as parents, we need to raise and love and guide and at some point let go, but not abandon, yeah. right? We have to let go of our adult children but we can support them even in things we don't like or that we don't want. I'm not talking about things that are immoral or illegal. Of course, she would not have had my support in that, but to try to stop her because it scared me, I would have cheated her out of so much. I'm really so grateful that I was able to put my fear aside enough to continue to support her and her choice. I really feel like the being trained to be a Lemmy mentor, it actually helps us parent better. I mean, as we are mentoring these kids through these projects, like Key of Liberty, we're asking them, you know, okay, what did George Washington do? What kind of qualities did he have? You know, these, these men who were willing to sign their, their lives away for, you know, to get this freedom for, for themselves, for, to leave as a legacy for us. And as a parent, I'm, I'm looking at that and, and it has changed me over the years. It's changed me. I mean, just as it has uh, helped you with your relationship with your, your kids, I, I can see how it's, it has helped me in my relationship with my boys. And, and I'm a better parent because of being a Lemmy mentor and going through all of the trainings that I've gone through and, you know, mentoring all of these classes. Um, yeah. Agreed. It, agreed. For, for me, another advantage of that is I think one of the dangers of homeschooling 
for the parent is we feel like we have to measure. We, we think we have to give grades. And, and sometimes we do if we're creating transcripts or grades for college or whatever. And we don't really have a measuring stick to know what do I compare to? And as much as we say, you know, don't compare your kids, uh, to some degree we need to, you know, um, how do I know if they're doing okay? And when we get to see other youth in the community, especially if we're mentoring them, we really get a sense not only of, of kind of where our kids fall on a very wide spectrum of a vast number of skills and abilities, but we also get to see how other youth walk in the world. It broadens our perspective of what we might want to expose our ch children to, what we might not want to expose our children to. Um, it, it broadens our horizons, which as homeschooling parents can really only benefit us. And I know parents who, I, I've had a number of women over the years who have expressed reluctance to uh, train with Lemmy and to teach with us, um, mostly because they're afraid it will take time away from their family. And let's face it, the reality is it does. We have a finite amount of time. If we're planning for a class, we're not necessarily with our kid in that moment. But what we learn and what we gain as mentors and how much growth it provides us can only benefit our kids. I, I don't know. I, I guess you could take it to an extreme and completely neglect your children while working on learning projects. I, I've never known anyone to do that. Um, the breadth of what it adds for us as mentors and the opportunity for our children to be exposed to other men and women who are willing to work hard, go through a training, pay attention to their own education, develop a project, teach a class, mentor a class. There's just no replacement for that. I mean, it, 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 we can feel like we're going to cheat our children if we do this. And I, I'm not really sure how to express to parents what they will gain when they do this. Um, it, it's kind of unseeable, you know, it's, it's invisible, but so present and so valuable. I think as a child watching my parents go through teaching and mentoring, it was very inspirational for me to realize all these things that you want me to know and learn, you're willing to work really hard to know and learn yourself. And so, you know, watching my mom work really hard at night and be like, hey, I mean, I'm studying, you got to leave me alone, was really probably did way more for me to motivate me to study than anything she could have said. Yeah. Because to me, it was like, oh, it's so valuable to mom that rather than watching a show or doing something else she's reading and she's studying and she's writing papers and she's doing things that are hard for her that she doesn't like that are you know, making her uncomfortable you know and so for me as a teenager watching my mom and dad do that I was like oh this is this is what education is you know and it was really inspiring so I think you're right like even though it looks like you're not investing in your family all the time it really you are you know completely completely and the friendships that my children gained um, from from Lemmy projects, uh, some of them have been lifelong um, for them. I mean, 
their lives haven't been all that long, but they, they've maintained those, those relationships are still valuable to them. Um, kind of one final point in my daughter's story, which is a little ironic. Um, my daughter was recently engaged and she is engaged to a young man who came up through our program. And um, I've known him since he was four <laughs> and he came to our group and they, they speak each other's language. They both value ongoing education. Um, they thrive in in-depth, deep conversations with each other about current events, important topics, right? And it's really been a pleasure to kind of watch that grow and blossom over the last few years. So, you know, I remember Rachel DeMille and I think it was something that she wrote. It might've only been verbal, but she talked about the fact that we are raising, how does she put it? When we work in community, we're raising the parents of our grandchildren, right? That it's not just our own child that we want to be educating and teaching, but we kind of sell the world short if, if we're only going to offer it to our own family. But when we offer it to our community, um, those are going to be somebody's parents, somebody's grandparents, um, possibly the spouse of our children. In my case, it is. <laughs> and gosh, why, why should we cheat the rest of the world out of um, these wonderful principles and educational ideas? Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. I don't want to take too much more of your time. But my last question I want to ask you is, is there one piece of advice that you would give a struggling Lemmy mentor? Great question. Um, so I think if a Lemmy mentor said to me that they were struggling, I would say welcome. Because all of us have been there. Not some of us, not most of us. There is not a Lemmy mentor on the planet that has not struggled, that has not been in a place of doubt, in a place of fear, in a place of, I don't think I want to do this anymore, or I don't think I can do this anymore. And so welcome. You're in a terrific club. <laughs> and perhaps the most important piece of of advice I would have for someone in that place is stop trying to do it alone. You don't need to do anything alone in Lemmy. Pick up the phone, call your co-mentor, call your trainer, call somebody else in your group, in your community, who's also doing this hard thing, because let's face it, we're all doing a hard thing if we're teaching a Lemmy class. So if you're struggling, welcome. You're, you're in the right place. You're right on the verge of growth and don't try to do it alone. Get help because help is available and it's worth it. And really that's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is to have that help. Um, we're going to be including the classic calls as, you know, podcast episodes. And while you were talking, I'm like, ah, the law of the wall, you know? Yes. Oh, you know, the law of the wall is, is a classic call that talks about, you know, what do you do when you hit that wall? 
what do you do when you can't do it? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and to know that it's not to normalize that, to know that you're not alone. You're not unique. This has literally happened to every single Lemmy mentor out there. At some point, it has felt too big, too much, too overwhelming. Um, and sometimes we just need to keep it simple because we built it up into our head into this, you know, giant monstrosity of a thing. I know I've totally been guilty of that. But talking to someone else who's doing this thing um, can ease that, you know, and, and there's no reason to try to do it by yourself. And we have all been in those shoes, usually multiple times. <laughs> I actually have started giving, when I do training, I give people my cell phone number because we went to online, right? So I just give them my number if something happens, they drop out or something. And then I tell them after, just text me, just text me if you have something and you're really stuck. And I was shocked, you know, I trained probably 50 people in 2020 when I first did that. And I had two people the whole year text me and reach out to me. Yeah. And I gave them my number and I was like, just call me, like text me first. Cause I don't always answer my phone. I just be honest. It's just like put it away while I'm doing school. But if you text me, then I'll call you, you know, or we can, you know, schedule a time to call. And it's amazing. Of, I think a lot of people are afraid to bother somebody. Right. And I, I get that. I've been there. I don't want to call and bother that person. My question's probably a dumb question. Well, it's only a dumb question if I don't ask it and get the help that I need. And I've been doing this Lemmy thing for a long time. I've never talked to anyone who wasn't more than happy to share the journey, wasn't more than happy, sometimes even grateful to help me out. And I know I'm always happy to take calls from people. And when we help the newcomer, so to speak, or, or even an experienced uh, mentor, when, when we're on the helping end, it helps us too, because we review the foundational principles. We get a chance to, to go deeper in our understanding of something. And that just makes us better mentors. So when we talk about these ideas together, it doesn't just help the person needing help, it helps the person offering the help. And it also builds community. And it also lets us know we don't have to do this alone. Um, and sometimes just knowing that someone else has struggled with the same lecture you're trying to write that you're struggling with is a huge relief because, oh, it's not just me. Oh, I'm not stupid. Oh, I'm not incompetent. Um, I'm not alone in this challenge of of life and let's face it it's just one more challenge of life right so yeah it goes back to that idea of don't try to homeschool alone you know don't try to mentor a lemmy class alone find your people find your buddy even if it's somebody who's in the same class who feels as clueless as or the same training that feels as clueless as you did um, just talking to another human being and connecting over important ideas can help with that growth and ease you past the hard spots well, Sean, if someone wanted to find you, where could they find you? Social media, website? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I am on Facebook. Um, I Let's see, what's the best way to find me? Uh, you can, if you want me to give the name of my organization, I can, or if you prefer sure. not. Okay. Um, we, I am the founder and director of Youth Leadership Project. 
Our website is ylpeducation.org. And um, there's a link there where you can email directly, email me directly. Also on Facebook, just Sean Crane, West Hills, California, I guess. Um, happy to talk with you. Happy to help. Don't be afraid to send me a message and say, you know, I know you said on the podcast that we could talk to people. Do you really mean it? Yeah, we really mean it. Um, yeah. So yes, happy to, happy to share the journey. Thank you so much, Sean. Really appreciate your support of Lemmy and all of these mentors and communities that I know this will bless. My pleasure. Thank you for host, uh, hosting and, and offering me the opportunity to share. These are important projects and can only make the world a better place. So happy to help with that part of the process. Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.